0: Thanks for joining us again, and let's get to the service. Wonderful. Well, I must say, after um, a short break of not preaching, you notice that you miss it a little bit. That when there's the week in, week out sort of grind of uh, of preaching, Sunday's always coming isn't it? It's one of the things that keeps happening and keeps happening, and then you start to feel sometimes, if I'm honest, oh, have I gotten, is there anything in here worth saying? Of course there is, but we've all had those moments where we struggle to figure out what it is we've got valuable to say, and, but it's only it takes a couple of weeks of break for me to come back to a place where I've got a few things to say. All good things, I believe, that God has been journeying with us through over the last few weeks. And we are talking about a series called Paper Walls. Paper Walls. And it's, you might at first glance, if this is your first Sunday with us, you might have no idea what that means. But I hope to explain just a little bit for you about this thing that we, these things that we create in our life, that at first glance look robust, at first glance, they look strong and restrictive. But when you look a little closer, they're nothing but paper. In fact, Taylor, can you bring that piece of paper that's next to you up here? And I was thinking of a creative way to do this, but I think I just need you to stand up with it and hold those, step on one end, put, put the end on the ground. This is my leadership stuff. and then You see, hold it up for me. See, so yeah, fr- some... You maybe face them because I don't need to see it; they do. Here we go. This is what happens when it's unrehearsed, folks. Here we go. All right, we got it. Well done. Thank you. He's in civil construction. Can you tell? Because look at that. We um, over the last uh, sort of second half of last year, uh, my uh, we worked on a renovation project with some close friends of ours up in Gawler. and they were renovating a shed. Uh, turning it into a, a rumpus room functionally um, their par- some family members are coming to stay from across the world, and so they wanted a special place for them to stay and so we spent a great deal of time ter- turning this shed which the f- you know the concrete floor was all cracked and damaged and all that sort of stuff and one of the things I did which i'd never done before was we created a, we created a sub wall in in the shed, which is if you 're not familiar with it it 's creating a wall which is like a facade over the front of uh, something else, and so we did that for the for the um, the great big sliding doors of the shed. And I tell you what, one of the hardest jobs of creating a sub-wall like that—it's not actually the—it's um, not the cutting of the wood, it's not the nailing of it all, screwing it all together, and getting it all square. It's actually the gyp rocking. Are your t- arms tired yet, Taylor? Um, it's actually the gyp rocking because the gyp rocking is the process where you put the plasterboard on, but then you have to finish it. You flush it, and it looks schmick. But it's hard work, and it takes a long time to make it look good. But I've got to tell you that by the time we were finished with this this wall, it looked like that. Like you couldn't tell. It was just a perfect wall. And I've got to tell you that for many of us in our life, and this is what we've been talking about over this series is that we, we've created some walls in our life, you and I. Walls that weren't there before. Walls that look really, really solid. We might even be, in some ways, kind of proud of how robust and solid they've looked. But unlike a gyprock wall, unlike any sort of wall that's been constructed with thought and planning and preparation, the walls that we construct most of the time are paper walls. And when we get close enough, we realize just kind of how flimsy they are. Now, where are your eyes? Excellent, they're up there. (laughs) Hold it tighter than that. Come on, man. And it doesn't take long until we realize that this wall that we created is actually, it's not as robust as we first thought that it was. Thank you, Taylor. Let's give him a round of applause. Well done. We'll be sure to recycle that, just so you know. And so this whole series has been exploring this idea of the walls, the paper walls that you and I create in our life. And I wanted to begin this, this, exploring this idea with us as we wrap this series to a close by declaring the truth that there are two types of people in this world. Now, this is a massive oversimplification but there are two types of people in this world. There's two types of people. One type of people love Star Trek and the others don't. But it seems that there's another glaringly clear two types of people. There's the people that love Star Wars and the people that don't. There's the people that, what else could we do? There's the people that love sitting through a 40-minute sermon and there's the people that don't. Why did that make people laugh? I don't understand. Anyway, so often in our life, there's glaring things that get, that we sort of, we are really good at lumping things into two clear categories. There's the people that agree with us, and there's the people that don't. There's the people that we support politically, and there's the people that we don't. But there's one reality that I ran into when I was preparing for this message, and that there are two two types of people in the world. There's those who make a difference, and there's those that make excuses. There's those that make a difference in this world, and then there are those that make excuses for why they don't do the things that perhaps they feel that they ought to. In the words of uh, a preacher that I'm familiar with, and some of you may have heard of, his name's Craig Groschell. Leads a significant church over in the States and has a global ministry reach. And he, in his, one of his leadership podcasts, it wasn't even in a sermon, he declared this and it's, you can make excuses or you can make progress, but you cannot make both. You can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can not make both. And the question that I wanted to explore for us this morning with the rest of our time is, what kind of person do you want to be? What kind of person do you want to be? Because I think the beginning of the new year is a great time to explore this sort of thing, because we get, all, we get all aspirational in the beginning of the new year, don't we? We get all like New Year's resolutions and the things that we want to do and the things that we want to achieve, the things that we, for some reason, haven't been able to do successfully for the last 20 years, that we think 2023 is the year that we're going to make a difference in this area. But the question's got to become, why haven't you done it up till now? Why haven't you done it up till now? I would argue that it's probably got less to do with your reality and more to do with this, the excuses that we create that sort of hem us in a little, the paper walls in our life. And I think that you, because if you're anything like me, I think we want to be the type of person that is going somewhere. We want to be the type of person that is doing something of value, making a difference in the world in some way, in the community, in our households, in this church, in this town, in the world. We want to be those sorts of people because when we get to the end of our life, there's something in us that wants people around us to have something good to say, don't we? We don't want to get to our funeral, well, well I don't know how that works, if you, if you visit your own funeral, or quite in a spiritual way, I don't quite get that, that's different for me, um, we can philosophize about that, but if we were to do so, we would want him to say something, wouldn't we, of value, rather than just say, he was here, now he's not, let's have lunch. That's not what our funeral would look like, we want it to have more value than that. <laughs> Sorry. And there's something connected to this and the excuses that we make in our life, the paper walls we construct that, have, that are connected to that reality when our life comes to an end. And the problem, as I said, that we've been exploring over these last few weeks, both Emily and, and um, Daryl and Andy Stanley, who wrote this series to begin with, they all preached some really interesting stuff, is that we're really good at building these walls in our life, reasons that we make for not progressing that idea or not progressing that dream, not reconciling that relationship, not saving that money, not taking responsibility for this or that. And those reasons become walls that restrict our freedom. They hold us back from experiencing the life that we should, and that's where I want to take us today. And as I said, the closer we look, the flimsier those walls are. Now, you're intelligent people, I know you are. You look like intelligent people. Even those of you joining us online, you look like intelligent people as well. And so, we know that paper walls don't hold up to scrutiny, don't we? We know that, we know that excuses are just excuses, they don't really have any, any basis, but the thing about excuses is excuses are really good at camouflaging themselves, and they camouflage themselves like a cheetah in dappled shade in the African savannah, and they, they camouflage themselves as something that you are very familiar with, that you've used already this morning, and if you're a parent, you use plenty of times because you just don't want to explain it again. What's the word? It starts with B, because. Anyone use that to answer a question lately? I've done it this morning with my children. Because. Excuses actually camouflage themselves most often as the term because, oh, why aren't you doing that thing? Oh, because something. Why aren't you getting fit this year? Because the treadmill has stuff on it. Why aren't you getting healthy this year by eating better? Oh, because it takes too much effort and it's too expensive. Why aren't you reading your Bible every day? Or oh, because the kids don't shut up and let me concentrate first thing in the morning. Because, 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 because. Why don't you come to church on Sunday? Because it's too far. There's no... When you look closer at those things, the becauses, that very powerful camouflage mechanism holds no more weight than anything else. Now, it's important to acknowledge that for many of us in our life, we have some excuses that are not trivial, they're real things, because you make light of, of some of the becausees in our life, but some of them are really, are quite real. Why do you have trouble being vulnerable? Because I was abused when I was young. Why do you have trouble getting into relationships? Because he, she hurt me in such a significant way. Those things are real. And when it comes to those sorts of realities, we've got to work through them with people that we know, love, trust, and are qualified to help us. But for many things, the because is not that real, but it feels real. And I'm about to open the Bible in a minute, I promise you that. But they feel, why do they feel real? Why do these becauses feel so real for us? It's because they're grounded in something really powerful. They're grounded in fear. 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 So often when we are asked, oh, why won't you do this? Why haven't you done that? Why are you going to quit? Why do you keep doing that? Why do you keep going there? Why do you let them speak into your life like that? Why do you keep watching that? Why do you keep eating that? Most of the time, those responses, the becauses, are grounded in fear, which means when I say that you are intelligent people, you are. And when I say that becauses and excuses are simple and trivial, most of the time they are. But the reason these paper walls feel so strong is because they are grounded in a fear of something that is on the other side of it. And those fears can be very real. Fear of failure. What if I start this New Year's resolution of getting fit and I fail by not going one day? What if I start reading my Bible and I want to get through it in a year and I skip a day? Does that mean I give up? Fear of failure. Fear of rejection. What if I reach out to reconcile with them and they throw it in my face? What if I stand up here to preach for the first time in this year and forget what to say? I think you guys would have a really hard time believing that would ever be the case. But I could be honest, to sit right there, less than 15 minutes ago. Yeah, maybe 20 minutes ago. And still have that fear, what if you've got nothing to say? And I've got to tell you, where does that fear come from? It's not from God. It's from what we would call the enemy, from the one that is against the will of God in the world, the one that is opposing the goodness of God in the world. And all they've got is fear to ground the paper walls and excuses of our life. But make no mistake, it's powerful. But I've got to tell you, there's something even more powerful than that. I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 2, and it is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus in the first century, and he talks with them. It's, this is a letter of encouragement, a letter that paints a vivid picture of the reality of the world for them, but also the reality of humanity before God. I want you to read this with me. It's going to be up on the screen. And I want, you to know, I want you to look for something. I want you to look for God's plan. Look for God's plan. Can you do that for me? I might pause and point a couple of things out, and let's see how we go. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It should be on the screen. As for you, you were dead, welcome to church, in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, that is Satan, when you followed the things that that oppose God in the world. The Spirit who's now at work in those who are disobedient, the ones that do not live as they should. All of us also lived, verse 3, among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, doing what we felt was right, doing what we wanted to do, and following its desires and thoughts. And like the rest, we were, by nature, deserving of God's wrath. What an encouraging place to begin. The beautiful thing is, Paul's not done. But, verse 4, but... Because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by His grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus In order that, in the coming ages, He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us through Jesus. And here's a a passage you might know really well. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is not by grace. Works, so that none of us can boast about it. We can't earn this. We can't. There's nothing we can do to say to God, "So, just so you know, God, I prayed six times this week. When I read my Bible four times. Is that enough for you to answer my prayers? Is that enough for me to get into heaven? What's the grade? Is it a C plus average? Because that'll what you, that'll pass your univer, university. That'll even pass your high school. That's what I got wasn't proud of that, C-plus average at school for year 12, got me through. Is that God's grade? No, because even an A-plus wouldn't be enough, because if it was, we would boast about it. But instead, it is by grace, by God's loving favour that we are saved, through faith, and that's it, through faith. It is not by our works. Why? So that none of us can boast about it. And here it is, verse 10, for we, so based on everything He's just said, it says, for, for, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which He has prepared in advance for us to do. Maybe you've never heard that before, maybe that's completely new to you, but there is a wonderful truth about you and me, and that it is we are God's handiwork. Apostle Paul writes about it, hey Millie, and that we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He has planned in advance for us to do. And I've got to ask you the question, is that if someone has a plan for your life, and you make an excuse, what does that excuse do? If someone has a plan for what you're going to do, something they've planned something for you to do, and you make an excuse and you don't do it, what does that excuse do? It creates a barrier to that plan being played out. Friends, God created you. Scriptures teach us that. God created you through Christ Jesus. That you and I, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are born anew, we are a new creation. And that new creation is grounded in the goodness of Christ. But friends, what do you create a fridge for? It's not a complicated question. You use it. What does a fridge do? Keeps things cool. So why was a fridge created? It's not complicated. To keep things cool. A fridge was created to keep things cool. Why was a hammer created? To knock your thumb. No, to hit nails. A screwdriver exists to screw screws into a wall. A Bible's created for us to read the Word of God. That's why it exists. Friends, things are created for a purpose. Your chair was created for you to sit on. And comfortably, by the way, they're pretty good, aren't they? Great color too. Friends, things are created for a purpose. You were created for a purpose. That's the nature nature of things being created. So, when God created you, He had something in mind for you to do. And friends, when we create paper walls, when we create excuses, we do nothing except hinder the plans God had for our life when He created us. That's what's at stake here. That's the cost. And you've got to say, some of you may be asking, did God really have a plan for me? I'm not that important, I'm not that significant, I don't have that much influence, I'm not that good looking, although you guys are, I'm not that intelligent. Whatever it is, whatever excuse you might want to bring forward for why it is you think God can't use you, the reality is that there's no exception to this phrase. For we, that's an inclusive term, we were created. We are God's handiwork. And that there is no one on the face of this earth that is beyond God's reach. There is no one on the face of the earth that was, that was ex- excluded from the gift of new life in Jesus Christ. No one's excluded from that, and if no one's excluded, then everyone can be a new creation, and if everyone can be a new creation, then everyone has a purpose. That includes you, no matter your age, no matter your stage. And I believe that the power and authority of God is more wondrous than we can imagine, which means I believe that no matter how restricted our past was, there is an opportunity for new purpose in our future. I believe that God is out time outside time and space. God created it after all, right? There's a philosophical question for you to google later on. But if nothing existed before except God, then God created time and space. That means God is outside time and space. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but what it tells us is that God's influence in our life is not linear. It's not a set and forget like a stopwatch that God constantly works and intercedes in our life, that as we make choices, greater plans can emerge, even if we've made the dumbest of choices. I've done some of those, have you? Absolutely. God can still work with that. But I've got to tell you, it would be so much better for God and would be so much less painful for me if I would just quit making some excuses sometimes and recognize the paper walls that I have created that are making it harder, not for God to work, God will work anyway, but they make it harder for you and for me in our journey. For you were created for a purpose and God's got something in store for you. And so, all of that to be said, what do we do? I think I've done a pretty clear and reasonable job of painting the picture that paper walls are a problem, excuses are insufficient, but what do we do to, to, to get rid of these paper walls in our life? That's the, that's the helpful bit, right? Well, I've got five steps for you, let's do it that way, five steps for getting rid of a paper wall in your life. Now, you can write them all down if you wish, but what I'm also going to do is I'm going to email these to you this week. If you're not on, your e- on our email list or you're not sure, scan the QR code on the back of the chairs, subscribe to make sure it's in your inbox during the middle of this week. But here are five things I believe that we can do to break through the paper walls in our life. And there's one promise attached to these as a condition. You're going to hurt your own feelings. Is that okay? I promise you that if you undertake these five steps, you're going to hurt your own feelings. So, this is not my fault. This is your fault. You're hurting your feelings. I'm not. I'm just point giving you the tools that you need to do so. Sound good? I don't want anyone coming back next week saying, Josh, you hurt my feelings. I'm saying, no, I didn't. I love you guys. I want to see God's best for you in your life. But here we go. The first step to clearing paper walls in our life is you've got to identify them. Just identify them, have a look around, see what's there. And the way that we identify paper walls, excuses in our life, is we listen to our becauses. I dare you, for a one week, to stop and listen every time you say because, and see what's there. Just have a look. You don't have to do anything about it, just have a look and see what's there. Because I think you'll find, apart from the times you just use it as a conjoining word in unhelpful, poor grammatical sentences, which we all do, there will be things there which you realise in a moment are excuses, not reasons. They're excuses. And sometimes identifying them is all that we ever need to start making a change. Because we're intelligent people, And when we realise something for the reality that it is, you go, that's ridiculous, I'm not doing that. That's a stupid excuse, and sometimes identifying it is all that we need. But step two, interrogate it. Interrogate it. Ask it some questions. Ask them, why is that because there? Really. Why am I using the word because, and we've got to add the extra word, remember, from the series we did a little while back? Ask You've got to add really to it, because it stops you from making an excuse for the question. Why am I using that because really? It's sort of like asking, what am I afraid of? Who am I afraid of? Am I just being lazy? Am I just being selfish? Am I just being insecure? So interrogate your because, and I think it will show you something really significant maybe even a fear or maybe a trauma that exists there that you need to work through. Step three, relabel it, relabel your excuses. Because I think once you have identified it, once you've seen it for what it really is, you're looking real close at that paper, realising it you go, well, that's not an excuse, that's not a, re- that's not a reason, that's an excuse. And the thing about the beautiful thing about relabeling it and realizing that it's something that you built, something that you created is that if you created it, you can rip it down. Do you realize that? I had no idea how you build a drywall um a, a subwall. But now that I know how to build one, sure as heck know how to rip one down. I mean you probably could with a sledgehammer anyway, but now I you know you can surgically remove it. It's it's a wonderful thing because it's not as strong and robust as you first thought it was if you created it, the encouraging moment is that you can tear it down, you can modify it, you can put holes in it, you can do whatever you like. And in doing so, you realise that you're no longer a victim of your past, you're no longer a victim of your fears, you can no, no longer have to be a victim of your failures. You realise that you've been created for a purpose and that whatever paper walls you've ha- you have created, they're holding you back from that purpose. You could even, if I was a good preacher, I would alliterate it like this. Once you've seen these paper walls for what they really are, you could cut ties with the lies. You could disable the labels. That's not your style of preaching, is it? A few of you are getting this, I love it. Here's this one. You can give your justifications a permanent vacation. No? Clearly, that's not my favorite style of preaching, is it? This is Phoebe, if you've not met her. She likes to be here sometimes. The fourth step for us is to ask ourselves the question, if I choose to excuse, who stands to lose? If I choose to use an excuse... Dress down, thanks. Who stands to lose? If you use that excuse, who stands to lose? What do I miss out on? What does someone else miss out on? Whose respect do I lose? And when we ask ourselves that question, do you know what we always realize? The price is too high. When we realize the cost, invariably we will always recognize that that price is too high. No, I don't want to lose their respect. No, I don't want to pay that cost. No, I don't want to miss out on that. No, I don't want to cause them to miss out on that because of the excuse that I've chosen to make. We will always realize That someone loses and we're not willing, we're not willing to ask them to pay that price. I don't want to get to the end of my life. I don't want you to get to the end of your life and look back with regrets about what you've done, what you've achieved, what we haven't done, what we haven't achieved because of a bunch of paper walls we created that when we look back look pretty flimsy and we wished we'd just ripped a few down. And the last step is simply this. Step five. Tell somebody about it. Once you've identified it, once you have labelled it, once you've known it, and once you know the cost of it, tell someone what you've learned. And I will just about guarantee that that paper wall will fall. Why? Because when we speak truth into the world the lies have no power any more. That's a spiritual thing as well as a practical thing. When you speak about an excuse to someone, you realize how dumb it is most of the time for one thing. But you also, I believe, because we are spiritual beings, I believe you speak truth over the darkness and disarm the power of the lies of, as Paul writes about it, the one whom is at work in those who disobey the will of God. The enemy in this world. So, that's our five steps. So, as I, as I finish up for today, I'll invite the band back up. You may as well, because that actually makes me finish properly and not waffle on. So, if they're standing back here, then I won't keep going. So, as I invite them up, because we're going to sing a hymn together... I want you to think about where might be some paper walls in your life that need to be torn down and there were excuses that felt really good last year that gained you some excellent space and that did all sorts of things for you but where you're starting to recognize there's something prompting you in your heart to say those can't stand anymore and it's not because they're not good excuses They helped for a while, helped you get out of all sorts of things. It's not because of that. It's because they're causing you to miss out on the wonderful things that God has prepared in advance for you to do. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul writes, he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. I press hold of that. What is that? That is the thing that Christ saved you to achieve, saved you to do in the world. He saved you, recreated you, made you new, and there is something that only you can do in this life, and the excuses you've been making are holding you back. Let's make 2023. Let's make your journey into it a year when you don't let the excuses stand anymore. And I promise that when you do that, I promise that this year will be the most wonderful year of living in God's purpose. Not because everything's going to go great, I promise you it won't, but because everything will feel a little bit brighter, a little bit lighter, When we're walking in the steps God has planned for us, let's pray together, church. Loving and gracious God, I thank you for your love, I thank you for your scriptures, and I thank you for the way they speak truth into our life. And the reality, the years that each of us, we were dead, dead in our transgressions and our brokenness, but then you chose to do something. You chose to give Your Son, Jesus, for us. And when we see that truth for what it is, You promise to recreate us, make us brand new. And when we are created, we are given purpose. And Lord, we don't want to be held back by the excuses we have created. The paper walls that seem to hem us in. So Lord, I pray you would help us, give us the wisdom to see these paper walls for what they are, simply excuses that hold us back from your best for us. And give us the courage to take a few steps to ripping them down and discovering your best. And Lord, if we're honest, for some of us, the paper walls that we have created to do with us and you. They're to do with being willing to trust you. And there's a thousand reasons that you might have given as to why faith is not your thing, as to why God is not to be trusted, why church doesn't work. But I believe that for some of you, you're not here by accident this morning. For some of you, you are here to see the paper walls for what they are, to see that God really is good, to see that God really does love you and that regardless of what has happened in the past, there is a new life here for you through Christ. It's not about how good you are that you could boast, but it's instead about the goodness of God and His love for you through Jesus. So I pray if that's your story this morning, that you would rip down those paper walls and receive Jesus for who He is and what He has done for you this day. So loving God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And Lord, we thank you that we don't have to do this life alone, that instead, you promise to be with us, to guide us, to guard us, and to equip us for all you have called us to do in this age and the next. To your name be the glory this day.